As we think today about our Lord's baptism, thinking about that day that he presented himself to John to go through those baptismal waters, we recognize that Christ was showing us that mission of his life to come and die and to be buried and to take with him through that death and burial our sins and then to be raised from the dead. And that baptism day before John symbolized that entire life mission of Christ, that he'd come to die for us, to open the way for us, to part the waters, if you will, for us. And so I'd like to take a look today at that passage in Isaiah for a few moments and think about Christ and what he's done for us and really life on the other side of the waters, what Christ has done for us in this new life that he's given to all those that will follow his path. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we ask that you'd bless the, the word of God to our hearts today, that you'd bring it alive in our minds and our spirits, that you'd remind us, renew us afresh today in the glories of the new life that you've given us in Christ. We pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. And so as we think today about this, this glorious new life, what Christ has done for us, and we go back to this beautiful passage as God was speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people, we remember that this was a discouraged people. This was a people that had been in exile, and God was restoring in preparation to restore them and reminding them of the many blessings that they had in him as his people. And as we begin to look at this, I, I'm overwhelmed at the very outset that God presents to his people this perspective that there is no need, no matter what we're facing, to live in doubt or fear. This were a people, was a people that were discouraged, as I said, and, and so often it is fear and doubt that leads to discouragement in our lives. We're reminded in the first verse here as God is speaking that we're not to fear. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. He preceded that by saying, now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you. God is reminding us that we have no need to fear. We are the very creations of God. And when we face trials and difficulties in our lives and things that would make us afraid and cause us to doubt, we need to be reminded that through Christ and through what Christ has done for us, we have no need to fear. Fear is something that is a sign of an absence of love. And we are loved perfect, perfectly in Christ, and therefore there is no room for fear. We do not fear because we're created by God. We do not fear because we're called by God. We're told here in this very passage that he calls us by name. That's a startling realization, the God of the universe, the God who brought all things into being. And we are just in our day getting a, a greater sense than they ever would have had in biblical times as to the, the breadth of that, the great massive universe, the complexity of it all. And the little speck that our earth is, and yet that God who brought all things into being and hold things, all things together, and in him all things consist, calls us by name. That realization should take us from fear to faith. If that realization would ever get into that deep place in our heart where fear resides, it would diminish it immediately 
and we wouldn't fear any longer. We're called by God and called to God, counted at his, as his very own. He says, I have summoned you. I have redeemed you. The value that God is placing upon us here as he redeems us, giving us his very best, giving us his own son. We'll never understand the, the breadth of that, the atonement and what Christ is to the Father. But he gave us all that he could give to demonstrate his love for us. And so God counts us as worthy. We can live lives that are fearless and bold and courageous, not in presumption, but in faith, because God has provided for us the platform to not fear. This is given to us, and Christ, when he came that day to be baptized, was showing that he was going to live a life and lay down his life and take it up again and make the path for you and I to walk in this new life of fearlessness. There's no need to live in doubt or fear. And so if you're today, or maybe this season of your life, there's challenges that are plaguing you with fear, I want to encourage you today to lay that down. To lay it down, not in denial of the reality of what you might be going through in your life, but in picking up the opposite of fear, and that is faith. And trusting that God is with you, and that God loves you, and he'll get you through. There is no need to live in doubt or fear on the other side of the waters. We also see here that there is a victory assured to all of us in all of our trials on the other side of the baptismal waters. We see in verse 2, we're told, as we read a moment ago, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. What a startling promise God gives to his people that we are assured of, of victory in every trial. There's nothing that can come upon us or come at us that we cannot overcome as God's children. This is ours in Christ. It's not by our strength or our might, but by his power. And God gives us that promise that we will have victory no matter what we're facing in life. And we all know that we face immense trials. The people of God here were facing a challenge that was beyond their capacity to handle, and God knew that. God understands that there are times in our lives where we feel like we cannot overcome. And so God comes along to us and reminds us that we will be victorious. We are assured of several things here. First of all, God's presence with us in our difficulties. And folks, I don't know about you, but that almost is enough for me. The thought that God is present with me, no matter what I go through, no matter what I face, I have the presence of God in my life in the person of the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that, that, that descended upon Christ like a dove comes into our lives as we follow Christ. And we have the very presence of God, not afar off, near, within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God is in us. Our spirit is the candle of the Lord. How much closer can God get than within us? And he's within us every moment of every day when we sleep, when we're awake, when we're afraid, when we're in faith, when we're doubting, when we're sinning, when we're praising. God is always present with us. We're assured of God's presence. We're assured also of his protection. He's clearly saying here, though you may go through the waters, they will not overcome you. Though you will go through fire, you will not be burned. We are assured here of God's protection. We're not told that we will not go through waters. And all of us can attest to the waters that we've gone through. All of us can maybe even share testimony this morning to some waters or fires that we're going through. Maybe we know loved ones that are going through tremendous trials. 
And so this is a reality in our human experience, these waters and these fires. God never said we wouldn't go through them, but God promises us protection in them. And so we can be assured of that today. No matter what you're facing today, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. You don't have to be afraid because God is protecting you. We also have a promise here of perseverance. Have you ever looked out to the future and wondered if you'll make it to the end? Make it through whatever you're facing. Make it through the trials and difficulties of life. Sometimes we don't even want to look ahead because we're afraid that we may not make it through. And yet we're promised here perseverance. It is not in our strength again. It is in God's power and his might. We're told in the New Testament that he that has begun a good work in us will complete it. The work was begun by Christ. We were created in him. He will get us through. Perseverance is assured to us. And folks, when I think of this in my own life, I am filled with a fullness I I have a sense of peacefulness and confidence that all things are well and that God does truly make all things beautiful in his time. And so though we may look out today and see fog and rain and clouds, we know the sun is still shining. We know that God is still present and we know that we will get through. This is ours in Christ on the other side of the baptismal waters. We also see in this passage, not only do we have no need to fear and we have a short victory, but we have a promise of an inheritance of divine love in Christ. What a passage verse 3 is. This is one that we should remember every day. Verse 3 and 4, especially the fourth verse, I'll read it again. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you. How often do we feel unloved? How often do we, though verbally express that we believe God loves us, yet when we look in the mirror, do we feel precious in his sight? We are told here by God that we are precious to him. Of course he is precious to us. Of course we come and worship and praise him for his perfections. But we're told here that we are precious to him. God looks down upon us with smiles today and joyfulness. We're the crown of his glorious creation, trophies of his marvelous grace. Have you looked in the mirror recently or or thought about yourself as precious to God? You are today. I want you to, to know that no matter what you're going through, no matter how others treat you, it does not diminish the love of God toward you. You may be being treated harshly by others. That is not God. God himself loves you. You're precious and honored in his sight, and he gives people in exchange for you. He gives his very own son for you. So I want you to remember this today. So often we struggle with loving ourselves because we don't apprehend the greatness of God's love, and therefore we don't love others very well. This is all uh, healed for us and fixed for us and, 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 and given to us in Christ. We can live set free in love. Think about this for just a moment before we move on. If I am loved unconditionally, at all times, perfectly, at all moments, then I can love myself. We forget that when God, when Christ came and gave us the greatest commandments to love God with all of our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, and love others, he told us to love others as ourselves. And we often leave that aside. We forget that We're not able to really love others if we don't love ourselves. And we don't really apprehend and comprehend the love of God if we don't love ourselves. We are precious to God. 
And therefore, we love ourselves and we can love others much more effectively. Think about this divine love as your inheritance. We can live that free life to love God, ourselves, and others. We're not doing things for love. We're not worshiping and serving God and doing good in our communities and reaching out to our neighbors and our loved ones and forgiving and and being long-suffering with others and taking the, the hurt of others and still loving. We're not doing all those things for love. We're doing it from love. Because we're loved. That's already our standing. We're also seeing in this passage, the other side of the waters provides a wonderful promise to us that all the dreams that we have in our lives will be fulfilled. All, the, all the, in Christ. We have a people here who are scattered. Think about the Israelites at this stage in their history, scattered amongst the nations, knowing that they're God's chosen people longing for their homeland, longing for the desire of their heart to be fulfilled. And they had a dream. That dream was placed in them by God himself. God has placed a dream in every one of us, placed that calling deep within our being. So often we give up on our dreams because of discouragement, because of difficulty, because of the waters, because of the fires, because we feel unloved, because we're afraid. This morning, friends, when we can cast away doubt and fear and replace it with faith, when we can be assured of perseverance in our trials, when we understand and are renewed in the fact that God loves us, we can have renewed dreams. We can believe God for the impossible. God himself, we're told in the book of Romans, calls those things which are not as though they are. Everything that we see once was not. It was a dream. First a dream in the mind of God, then a dream in the hearts of the people that God had created. And you and I today have dreams. We have visions of what God might do in our lives. No matter what age or standing and state in life we are in, we have those longings to make a difference in the world, that God would use us, that we could be co-creators with God of a beautiful life to make a difference in the world. Don't give up on that dream. Of course, others may tell you, be more realistic, be more level-headed, get your eyes out of the clouds and face reality, but the child of God doesn't do that. He or she dreams because God is a dreamer. God is a creator. God is making beautiful new things all the time. And he's doing it through us. He's doing the impossible every day. We call it impossible because it is for us, but nothing is for God because the great I am can do all things. And so today I want to encourage you to renew your dream. We can live in anticipation That's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. People of God, let's come back to that, amen? Let's come back to that place of anticipation of what God is up to in our lives, the living God. Not what he has done, but what he is doing and will do in you and through you, individually, your families, your church. We can live in anticipation and cooperation with God. And it is true, as I said earlier, that God makes all things beautiful in his time. There's nothing but glory and beauty ahead. 
And you and I can be assured that our dreams will be fulfilled in front of us. You see, Christ opened the way. He opened it for all of us. That's what he came for. Yes, he came to demonstrate perfect righteousness and holiness. Yes, he came to show us the very nature of the Father. Yes, he came to love those disciples and men and women that he touched physically on earth. But ultimately, he came, and it was demonstrated in his baptism as a symbol. He came to pave the way for us to live this fearless, victorious life of love and victory, co-creators with God to bring forth beauty and wonder in this world. May we pray. Father, this morning I pray for myself and each one of us as hearers of your word, as instruments of your love, as objects of your precious grace and mercies. We ask that we would be today walking into a world fearless, assured that no matter what we're facing, we are going to persevere that we would today be renewed in your love and that we would feel that dream being rekindled and that resurgence of faith and hope and wonder at what God is doing, at what God is going to do. We thank you for Christ paving the way. We thank you for the day that he came and presented himself to John in his baptism, accepting his mission to be our Savior and Lord and to provide this life of wonder on the other side of the waters. We give him glory today.